I am Brian here. And we are here for another episode of your favorite podcast, the GXR yes, Podcast. Um, we talk about all of the good things in, you know, I don't know if there's many good things in America right now, but we, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the things <laughs> that we do as black mm-hmm. millennial men to try to figure this thing called life out. And therefore, we talk about the perils, the praises, productivity, and the pump circumstance of being black and millennial in the ghetto. Brother, how are you? Man, it's a great day to be black. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't change it for nothing. Stimmy day, it's stimmy day. It's stimmy day. <laughs> Shout out to the the baller shot caller himself, Joseph um, Rodman, Robinette, uh, Robinette. <laughs> there we are. Biden, as my mama would say, Bynum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every time she money, says it, money bag Joe. Every time she says that, I just cannot bring myself to correct her. So maybe if she's listening today, I laugh internally every time she says, you know, I was watching on CNN and Bynum was saying, <laughs> I'm like, I'd be confident. That <laughs> is such a black parent that'll change. That'll, shout out to today's episode. That would change right. the name of anything. Um, but Moneybag Joe is out here making it rain on the people. Yeah, here, you know. Folks is, you know, couldn't get a hold of nobody today. I woke up this morning with a bank account stimulated. <laughs> I said, God. He did it again. Would you tempt me? Would you would you tempt your son this way? <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't buy no Gucci belt? Oh, no. I didn't get on my chance to rapper and buy my Gucci belt. Um, I did the responsible thing. I paid <laughs> my credit cards to zero. <laughs> okay, that's, that's really good. That's definitely responsible. I paid them to zero. I, um... I, I called Navi and said, hey, got some money. You better catch me now. <laughs> uh, what else did I do? Uh, that was it. And we threw the rest into our savings. You know, we're trying to buy a home. So uh, we yeah. don't, you know, when we get extra money, there's no there's no fun. So extra money is the fun police for us. But no, it was, you know, it was, it was a nice, you know, shout out to kids. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to kids. Listen, uh, we, we didn't get... Um, Brooklyn wasn't included on the last couple of times we got the stimmies. Like, so we, we didn't get this. So when we got it now, we we're like, oh, okay. That's what's up. Uh, thank you, Brooklyn. Thank, listen. Even though even though they cost way more than we got back. Oh, yeah. Kids cost <laughs> way more than the check that they were, quote, unquote, worth. But, <laughs> you know, in the moment, it is ha- we we're happy to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Joe Biden... You know, they've been doing a pretty decent job of rolling out this vaccine. We talked about it last week, you know, from the listing letter. Shout out to Nevadius and mm-hmm. his friend. Um, are you getting the vaccine? First of all, let me let me let me let me do this. Let me do this. <laughs> let me talk to the people. Cause I was talk I was finna I was finna be PC and just mm-hmm. ask you. You know, are you going to get it? Because I know you have been talking about it. So if you've been following this podcast for any number of you know since this whole Panini Press, you know. That Brian Allen Hare, first of his name, from the area of Stockton, California. Stockton? Uh, um, you're not from Stockton. Pomona. Don't judge me. I have a headache. I am on medication right now. <laughs> My God. So I'm just, you know, and you're from California. <laughs> I am. That's true. 
you know, Meta guy has been vehemently saying, oh, I'm getting that vaccine. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do this. I ain't going to jump the line. I'm going to do this. So a blessing came into my lap. And I passed it on to my brother. <laughs> you know, so in in, in, in in some predominantly black cities, Atlanta being one of them, mm-hmm. there have been certain locations, mainly churches, that have served at vaccination sites for mm-hmm. low-income communities, predominantly mm-hmm. black and brown communities. Now, mm-hmm. the issue that some of these sites have had, specifically in Atlanta, was that the mm-hmm. people in those communities were not going. So okay. what they decided to do, <laughs> since these vaccines have, you know, they just kept, they, they not forever. They got inspiration dates. Mm-hmm. They invited the public. When I found out, I said, look at God. Brian ain't got to skip the line. He ain't got to lie. He ain't got to do nothing. I sent him a text. Because I want to be accurate in my storytelling. <laughs> I sent him a text on Saturday. Okay, what was that? Saturday, March. Um, what's that? The, really? Um, we, we, we pulling receipts? Though? Yes, we, we are. Don't. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, March 13th at 5.43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the year of our Lord 2021. And my exact message under that was, put you some clothes on and go. Because I know Brian will be doing him and his wife been stuck in the beneath the press in the house. So I know he probably had on some basketball shorts and mm-hmm. that was it. You know, his Instagram story tells the story every weekend. And you know what? You mm-hmm. know what happened? Man of God texts me Sunday morning <laughs> about the podcast. So, you know, I felt ignored. So I made up in my black mind, my, my black mind said, I will not waste my African American time talking to Brian about a vaccine ever again. Because the man of God did all that chitter chatter and ignored my text message about how he could get the vaccine for free with no issues or no reasoning. Then he comes texting me, let me go back. <laughs> He's come texting me where we at. <laughs> Let me go back. Okay, yesterday, <laughs> March 16th at 4.38 p.m. Eastern Standard Time of the Year by Lord 2021, it says, mm, I, I reserve the, the, the greeting. Guess who's getting vaccinated <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, I'm assuming you and your hind part ignored me Saturday. <laughs> You (laughs) flagrant language person. (laughs) And he said, excuse me. So I had to screenshot when he ignored me. So I just want you. So now that that is all out of the air, you are getting the vaccine. I actually got my first dose today. You got it today. I got it. How do you feel? I feel good. My arm is a little sore. Okay. Other than that, we good. You're not mutating. I'm, I'm still black. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. My thing in line is is a decent size still. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, all the things that matter. All the things that matter, man. I'm still black, and I'm still, you know. So I got black. I got vaccinated Friday. So okay, last Friday, past Friday. So I'm glad now that you know my story, I can release that burden <laughs> off of me. I ain't got to walk around with that on me because I was offended. Well, hey, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I said this nigga <laughs> been over here complaining, scratching. <laughs> And trying to figure out how you gonna get back now. And I, I gave, I gave this Negro the keys. Who got the keys to the Jeep? Josh had the keys to the Jeep. Ooh, oh, let me tell you a fun story about when I got back now. You wanna hear it? Go for it. So you know, I don't know how your experience went, but we had mm-hmm. a um when I got finished, they would sign us up for our second dose. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and there was she, and when she finished, she was like, hey, you know, there's a waiting area. We want you to wait around 15 minutes on site, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. most people, you know, was on their phone, chilling, whatever, 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 right? So you know there's been the fear that people, you know, the vaccine is going to change or mutate, blah, 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 or the memes or at least about it, right? This white kid jumped out of his chair and said, Hur! and marched down the hallway. I said, Lord, it didn't got him. I said, I done just got this vaccine. And and this little boy turned into he's turned into a ninja turtle. A demon. What is what is happening? I was so afraid. I really was giant. I didn't really know. And then later I found out I felt bad. God forgive me. That the gentleman had autism. Now, what I will say is that while I empathize with that situation, I understand, you know, the complications, you know, that can happen. Um, and this is no, this is no slight to anybody with autism. I just think that the, the level of silence and sometimes, you know, the, the kind of questions you had around the vaccine is just this random right. outburst. Because uh, because the, mm-hmm. the young the gentleman he was like really quiet and like you know on his phone too. And then I, I mean out. Of the clear oh, white sky, mm. it just it was just an outburst, and I was like, "God help!" Um, but that kind of that kind of took me aback, uh, just just a tad, mm. and I was like, "Lord, cover us all." But um, the gentleman was facing, you know, a disease that we that we're advocating for, that people are living with and being healthy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but mighty God, the timing of it all. The, the just the timing, right of it, of it all. Like I would have been scared too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm and I'm, and I'm being honest. I'm coming to y'all with my truth. Okay, I don't counsel me. I'm just, I'm just saying that is my truth. Um, okay. Now that we got all that out the way, now that I've you know <laughs> lend my burden, and Brian has not asked for my forgiveness. I don't know if y'all noticed that. <laughs> What kind of friendship is this? I I, I told I said, the man I was offended. I thought I said I apologize. I didn't apologize did. in the text. I wanted you to apologize oh. here. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do a lot. Joshua, I, Joshua, I, see, we're black men. We need to make sure that we have great conversation, open lines yes. of communication. Mm-hmm, and we yeah. were offended. We got to you know, make sure that yeah, we talk about it. I air it, my right? grievance right here. And I want, right here. I want to so be I'm, rectified right here. <laughs> <laughs> openly. So I got to be yeah. openly. Yeah. Joshua. I apologize. I'm sorry. Thank you. And I apologize right. for saying you're from Stockton. <laughs> that was <laughs> blame, blame blame the headache medicine. Yeah, but, but I got something for you. I when think we get I to the song too of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> when we get to the song of the week, I got you. Oh, you okay. what's in your, what's in your cup, That bro? ain't none of your business. Song of the week. <laughs> song of the week. We we are forgiven. We are on a clean slate. Don't start over. <laughs> So in order for me not to, we're in a clean slate. So okay. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you what the song is. I'm going to start it, but you need to finish it. See, we're doing I, better already. Cause you like, cause you should have did that with future with the original of the 80s. But, but here goes one. And I, I, I did ask, I, I chose this song specifically for you. Okay. It's for me. So okay. this is a gift of sorts. It is a gift. Okay. So it is really in celebration of our STEMI. Okay. It's, it's a celebration of our STEMI. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say who is by. Okay. And see if you can guess what the song is. So you're saying it's in celebration of the STEMI. And based mm-hmm. on that one clue, I should now know, once you tell me the artist, what this song will be. Yes. Okay. I'm going to. I hope okay. I don't disappoint. <laughs> I, I don't, you shouldn't. Okay. Um, the, the artist is 
Okay. Gangsta Boo. Where them dollars at? 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 I'm seeing the heavy understanding lady. It's Gangsta Boo. Now let me tell you about this story about this lady named Boo. I'm coming through what they do, what this Boo is coming to get you to do. Get your mind twisted like some dreads on a Jamaican head. Hey, that's You're welcome. Song. That's my song. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that blessed me so I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I was not expecting that. That is so Memphis. Super Memphis. That is so wait a minute, because I feel like some of the people aren't as familiar with my girl. You know Gangsta Boo went to, we graduated from the same high school. <laughs> oh really? Okay. We did. <laughs> we did. We did. We did. <laughs> This is listen to the intro. This is some pimping. You hit it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh I forgot it's a little ball. Let me turn it. Let me turn it down. Oh man, that is gangster boo, man. Mm-hmm. That I figured that you would appreciate it. Man, shout out to Gangster Boo and 36 Mafia. Lola Mitchell is a real name. <laughs> shout out to Lola. Out here doing the thing. Brian, thank you. That was that makes up for all the things. All the things. <laughs> you know how you know how to be a good brother. Look at you. <laughs> I love you, Joshua. Look, I love you too, man. We black men. <laughs> we, we, we're not afraid to say it. Not right. at all. All right. You ready to get the podcast? Oh, Shout out to my eight line brothers. Today is my fourth Noopversary. Um, came Happy into this wonderful organization known as Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated um, on this day uh, four years ago. So I'm super excited. I didn't post anything special. I just posted something. It's been a marathon of a day. But shout out to the nine FOSs. Um, we made it, y'all. We are here four years and Cheers and yo to the good brothers. All right. You ready to get the show started? They can't say I ain't never shouted them out. <laughs> you, you shouted them out. <laughs> if you don't fix this pop filter, this <laughs> thing keeps falling. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> We're going to get this show started. We're going to pray to the man of God, get his get his uh, equipment together. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's go to the blessing report. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, we're here at the um, Bless Up Report, and we're still, you know, you know, floating on. We still floating. What them dollars said? (laughs) Shout out to Lola and Three Six Mafia, the the first lady of Three Six Mafia. (laughs) I think her and Darrell, with the money resides, need to make a song together. The remix. The remix. The remix. Where the dollars at? Where Where the money resides? Where the money resides? Questions that need answers, right? And put our girl Frida on it. Oh. Make it a bounce mix. Ooh, oh, we, ooh, that would be really good, <laughs> right? That just got my. I got this vaccine. Don't get me talking about no bounce mix. <laughs> Listen, I want to go to New Orleans. I need to go to New Orleans and find find freedom. I gotta make sure my workout plan is a one before I go to New Orleans. I'm going to gain thirty pounds eating. Oh yeah, New Orleans is one of the best places on earth. Yeah, I'm eating um, beignets for breakfast, <laughs> dipped in hot <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> I miss New Orleans. I can't wait to get this my second vaccine because I'm be in these streets. Are you gonna be in the streets? Because another friend texted me and said the same thing. I had to call him to the carpet. So I'm gonna see. 
Who? Who said? Oh, I ain't gonna tell you. I'll tell you. I checked my freaking flyer miles. I know how much my, my balance is. I know my credits are. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's let's bless up somebody. Come let's on. bless up somebody. Before we get let's, stuck. Let's, right, we stuck. Uh, so um, bless up to um, Nadine Ijewer, uh just a photographer, the first black woman. And, it's, uh, and shout out to or bless up to, to women. It is you know Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this photographer, black woman, is the first black woman to ever shoot for American Vogue. Um, okay. Also, was the first woman of color to shoot a British Vogue cover in 2018. Nice. Uh, when she was speaking to the media about the lack of diversity in the industry, she said, when I was studying, there were virtually no female photographers of color. I feel like in doing this, I'm proving to younger girls from a similar background that it's achievable. It also feels like part of the border shift, the broader shift within our culture to include far more diversity, both behind the camera and in front of it. So bless up to this great black photographer, um, Nadine. Um, we're so grateful that she's doing these great things. And it's sad that, you know, it's 2020 and this is the first time you're doing or first a black woman is doing American Vogue. Yeah. And then 2018 is the first person of color to do the British Vogue. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, when they say that, you know, British people might be racist. It's the first it woman be. of color doing it. So, hey, you know, <laughs> here or there. But bless up to Nadine Ijewer, uh photographer, black woman doing great things. Um, so that's the blessing report. Ready to get to the billboard? I'm ready. We got a um, power pack one. But before we dive deep into the billboard, let me say this. It's been another week and God has stayed the hand of death again. Oh, he did. We ain't lost no legends. We ain't Mm-mm. lost nobody um, that we know of. Right. That then flew up out of here. Mm-mm. So God, we thank you for that. So um, one of our aunties, one of our queens, Miss Anita Baker, is calling for a boycott. Um, Auntie Anita Baker went to Twitter to let us know that she has outlived um, her 30-year contracts and all of her masters are supposed to be returned to her. Unfortunately, she said that she now has to fight for them. So she's asking us to not play her music or to promote her music until <laughs> she gets her masters. Um, and it may be hard, you know, but we can't even play, you know, but <laughs> When we're mad, I always knew I would feel this magic for you on my mind constantly. In my arms is where you should be. Ooh, I love you here by me. Me, baby, you let my love flow freely. <laughs> I want you in my life for all time. Look at my part. <laughs> I'm caught up in the rapture of love. Nothing else can compare. <laughs> When I feel the magic of you, the feeling's always new. That's the, that's it. That's the number. That's the part. Oh, 
Oh man, I love me some Anita Baker. We had that oh, on, me we, too. when we gave out wedding gifts. You know, we gave out a CD mixtape. That was that was how, <laughs> that was what, what they call them things. Uh, not 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 going away presents. What are they called? Party gifts, party favors. Pa- pa- party. That was our wedding favors. But no, Auntie. <laughs> aunt, I'm sorry, Auntie Anita. We are not supposed to be promoting your music. We can't say caught up in the rapture. <laughs> We can't sing, giving you the best that I got. We can't sing, sweet. <laughs> oh, I'm almost saying sweet love. We can't sing, Angel. It's so good. It's so good. I love me so. Ooh, and she got the song with the wine and so. It's just so good. It's just, I love me so. Ain't Anita. no need to worry. Ooh, what the night is going to bring because it's going to be all over. Woo. Glory to God. In, In the, the morning. morning. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, Brian, I'm caught up. I don't know if I can pitch the billboard. That thing to bless me. Because you know I love me some Anita Baker. And I, that's, ooh, I'm about to go. Listen, I'm going to go to sleep to that in my ears tonight. We can't do any of it because we want to, just like we did for Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. we want to do the same thing for Auntie Anita and um and honor what she's asking. So let's yep. stop the streams. Mm-hmm. Um, disc jockeys, as you know, I, I use the whole name. <laughs> DJ, stop, <laughs> stop playing it on the radio, and let's make sure that uh, you know, because a lot of these artists have gotten the bad contracts, and you right, know, right. they don't get paid in the ways that they should. So we want to make sure that if this is her one request, then we we honor that until she get what is rightfully hers. Um, yep. Stand in the vein of music, the Grammys, Beyonce, mm-hmm. Beyonce, Giselle, knows Carter. Yes. First of her name <laughs> from Houston, Texas. I got her city right. Uh, she made history, um, and she has now won the most Grammys um, by any artist. She has tied Quincy Jones for having the most of a living um, person to win Grammys. Uh, so she's won twenty eight of them things now, um, and just just this past Sunday. She won for Best Rap Song, The Savage Remix, with our girl Meg. She won for Best mm-hmm. Rap Performance. I still say she's mm-hmm. the best rapper out of Houston, Texas, uh, for the same song. She won Best R&B Performance for Black Parade. And she brought home the Music Video Award for Brown Skin Girl. Shout out to Blue Ivy Carter for being only mm-hmm. the second person under the age of 10 uh, to mm-hmm. win a Grammy. Um, and it makes no sense, bro, why right. she don't have Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Record of the Year yet. But not only one, I mean, Beyonce won, her daughter won, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it was just a whole thing in the, in the, um, in the nose Carter household, because I think Jay-Z low-key took home a Grammy for that too, because I think he had some writing credits on on the Savage remix. Well, of course, I looked it up. He actually, you know, you know, they didn't. They didn't put him, you know, on the stage, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, you know, the writers be getting, they get their oh, Grammys oh, mailed yeah. to the house. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. he had writing credits on there. So shout out to, shout out to the whole Carter household. And speaking of some Jay-Z, we're going to, you know, six degree separation. Nas finally won his first <laughs> Grammy um, for best <laughs> rap album. I don't even know mm-hmm. what his album was most recently to have won the Grammy. It was Not King's huge, Disease. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of have a disease in terms of listening to his music. Not that it's bad. <laughs> I just don't, I don't do, I've never sat down in a chair and said, let me listen to a Nas to Nas. That just hasn't <laughs> happened. I, I, hey, appreciate, you know. I appreciate what Nas brings to the table. I, mm-hmm. I think he's a phenomenal rapper. Mm-hmm. I just don't spin his records, okay? Uh, but hey, before, before we go deeper into it, though, did you watch the Grammys? I actually watched the Grammys from like... Almost start to finish. Me and I was so tempted to watch the Housewives, but I didn't. <laughs> so, what, yeah, yeah. so overall, what'd you think? 
I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think they were able to cut out a lot of the extra stuff, and it was really just music. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It was it was just music, like music performances. Um, they were even quick with the um, nominations and the award speeches. Yeah, I think it's it, and it's sad because I think this is the lowest rated Grammys like almost ever, or you know. But I think it was one of the better Grammys. I I think I've you know in recent history. I like I like the performances, even the people that I don't even know of. I think the performances were great, except for um, so I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I, 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 I like that. And that one white girl at the beginning. Um, with the pink on, I think she ended up winning a, a, an award. I don't know her name, but she was like dancing and stuff. She thought she was killing it, but she wasn't. How do you feel about Trevor Noah? I, I think Trevor did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not walk or extend his hand for Meg or Beyonce walking in them yeah, steps. Yeah, yeah, that's tr- very true. But other than that, I think he, I think he did a good job. I like I think, Trevor Noah. I actually yeah, appreciate I, his his brand of comedy and all of yeah. that. So. Yeah, I, I think he did a good job. Um, I, I it's better than during LL Cool J. They've been having to do it for all, a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think Trevor Noah was good. He he good transition. He's and I think he's black. He's a part of the culture. A lot of people respect Trevor Noah, so I think he was a good host. Bring Monique back. I know she only did the BET Awards, but, but <laughs> bro, we got to start an official hashtag. We do restore Monique. <laughs> Right. We we want we want Miss Parker back. We want Nikki Parker back. <laughs> Professor. We want we want Nikki Parker back. <laughs> All right. So going so keep it with this nigga said Professor. Wait a minute. <laughs> Professor Ogilvy. I was trying to go back into my notes. <laughs> so uh, the Grammys. Another one of our favorites won Meg the Stallion. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Big Booty Judy from Houston, Texas, and she won this thing. <laughs> um, best new artist, which is great because you can only win best new artist one time because you ain't new right. no more. Uh, right. I didn't know she was new right now, but apparently, bruh. So I, I, you know what? I think she's new because of whatever the loophole is about this being her first, first album, album and got not mixtape yeah, EP. Right. So yeah, so she won best new artist. Um, she won for of course rap song, rap performance. We talk about it with Savage Remix, and you know, love it or hate it, Sa- the Sa- Savage itself was a song, and the remix with Beyonce on it was a it was a quarantine bop. One thing I will say mm-hmm. about this quarantine and the Panini Press. Mm-hmm. Was that we got some we got some really good music. Oh yeah. Um so the, the disappointing side was that we weren't able to like go to concerts and festivals mm-hmm. and whatever to really enjoy the music. Right. In spaces that we would have typically enjoyed them in, but they gave us music to quarantine too. Um oh, yeah. so shout out to Savage Remix. And she killed the stage with Cardi B. Now let's talk about Bill Clinton. Let's talk about it. Belle Calise ain't nobody. Da- now, Belle Calise has admitted she ain't a dancer, but. She said it. She said it. I mean, her one, two steps was one, two was stepping terrible. off. I said, well, it was God, where is the beat? Where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? But I think all was forgiven when Meg flipped her over with that foot. <laughs> when Man Meg God. flipped her over with one foot. I said. Man of God. I said, Megan, you done done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was with so much ease. I said, "You didn't done this before, Meg." Mm. So That's I'm just gonna right. leave that there. Ashley did free. say she fell asleep on it, and Jaden was up in our bed because I was down here working on something. She said when she woke up, Jaden's eyes was. <laughs> I said, 
I said, man, I know what he saw. She said she had to change everything. <laughs> his life, his life has changed. Forever. I said, man, I know what he saw. I said, he saw that Ain't thing. Back. He saw that thing sitting on <laughs> Megan and said, mighty God. <laughs> uh, one of the beautiful things about the Grammy, though, was that um, Black Lives Matter was incredible. You know what? And Brian, this was the year for the blacks. A lot of us won. It was. Mm-hmm. And they put mm-hmm. like Lil Baby, both of the babies, Lil Baby and mm-hmm. the Baby was on stage in major yep. ways perform. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 slide back to Mr. Kirk for a second with the baby. Who mm-hmm. was these old white women behind him singing on his when doing his performance? I had no clue. What was this? I was so con- I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so confused by this orchestra that he had behind. And then he was trying to direct them. I was so trying to figure out the theme. I was was like, why and what? You had on a bedazzled turtleneck and you had, (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, what's the the Supreme Court justice just died? Ruth Bader Ginsburg aunties (laughs) behind you singing opera, (laughs) doing your five-minute performance. And then you brought out Roddy Rich in the middle. I I was just like, boy, Mr. Kirk, sit down. But anyway. Right. Black Lives Matter was ingrained throughout it all. Um, I Can't Breathe, Her was Song of the Year. Um, Lockdown by Anderson Pac won Rap Song Performance of the Year. Because, you know, you know Anderson really, you know, you know he, it's, it's hard to just say he's a rapper. You know, he's a yeah. he's an artist. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Lil Baby performed The Bigger Picture, and it was, it was dope just to hold the visuals of it all. Oh, made yeah, it, it was amazing. Beautiful. It was uh, beautiful. And he was accompanied by Tamika Mallory, uh, Kendrick Sampson, and Killer Mike. He could have left Killer Mike in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, <laughs> nevertheless, he, he was there. It was a great performance. So kudos to Lil Baby. And let me tell you, I love mm-hmm. me some Lil Baby. Me too. Lil Baby, don't, Lil Baby is the better baby. Oh, by, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a on record. Without, without a Without a I mean, shadow the baby gonna give us He got a he got a he got a formula. But mm-hmm. little baby, little baby don't even breathe when he rap. Bruh. <laughs> he just he just floats. Bruh, like the, the song he just did recently with Drake. Oh, Drake and, do not and, to put another verse at the end of that. And mind you, Drake is a spitter. Drake mm-hmm. can Drake can rap with the best. When Drake ain't like, on that pop stuff, he's he's a beast. He's a rapper. Yeah. And Lil Baby got on that track. And say, I'm gonna show you. Just said, okay, Drake. You don't okay. don't put okay. don't No, he didn't even call him Drake. He said, Okay, Aubrey. <laughs> okay, Aubrey. Like <laughs> you, you ain't going after this. You ain't going and after this. And he murdered it. And I was murdered it. And 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 the thing I like about him too is like he had he's he's from Southwest Atlanta. He's an intelligent black man. Mm-hmm. Um like cause we gotta say that it's, even though it's like quote unquote like trap music or or that type of cadence or vibe like his songs have like thought behind them like yeah absolutely. the bigger picture is is well thought out it's like he put thought into it and it wasn't just like oh i'm just gonna get on the mic and just spit random stuff like i think he has great flow great cadence um great punch lines um he's great Yep. I, I I like little baby. I like little baby. So we waiting on the, we waiting on the the next album from him, um, and I think the last thing for the Grammy conversation is mm. Silk Sonic. Yes, Silk Sonic, the 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 the, the duo of Anderson. Is, is it Pack or Pac? I think it's Pack. You sure? Is it two A's? I think it's Pack. I, I we have to we have to I guess hear him say it. Okay, so Anderson and Bruno. <laughs> uh, 
Um, if you know, they've been leaving the door open for all of us. I'ma leave the door open, open. That's my song. It's a great um, song. It's a great song. Silk Sonic had their first live performance on a new single, Leave the Door Open. It was everything that we wanted, that we needed, that we deserved, that, you mm-hmm. know, the Grammys. I mean, it was just dope. It was great. Um, I mean, it was dope. I mean, they had, and I, I heard that mm-hmm. their suits mm-hmm. was all Gucci. No Suit, way. shirt, shoes, everything. They was Gucci down. Gucci down. And I'm socks. loving, I'm loving that they're um, bringing this whole 70s bell bottoms. Oh, yeah. Of, I don't know that I would wear bell bottoms, but I am loving the vintage look of it all. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, so, you know, shout right. out to and, them for the looks as well. Right. And before you go further, I, I think I love about Bruno uh-huh. is that he finds time periods. He makes an album based off of that time period. So, like, Duops was like a, you know, that 50s type kind of vibe. And then 24 Karat Magic was like that 80s, 90s. 80s funk, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think he kind of, he can say, you know, I'm going to do this genre of this era and I'm going to kill it. And Anderson Pax, like, he had his last album, he had a whole bunch of good, you know, old school sounding groove. So mm-hmm. I think that was dope. I mean, it, it just gave us more insight to what we can expect for this album mm-hmm. featuring Boosie oh, Collins. Yeah. You know, hopefully go back to last episode and check <clears throat> out our predictions. Cause oh, we yeah. told y'all who we wanted, what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see if some of that happens, but not only did they sing, okay. Leave the door open. They gave a mm-hmm. tribute to one of the one of the icons, one of the legends, one of the mm-hmm. pillars of this here podcast, Mr. Mm-hmm. Richard Penniman from Making Georgia, better <laughs> known as Little Richard. Oh, they did mm-hmm. it. And that was the tribute we need. Not that Wayne Brady foolishness. <sighs> we didn't need that. We didn't and need and that. Brian, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I told the people that Bruno Mars should have been one of the ones given. Oh, yeah. Little Richard tribute, and here we are. Mm-hmm. The Grammys got it. now. The Grammys don't get a lot of things right a lot of times, mm-hmm. but this time they got it right. And I wish, oh, perfect, that they were. You know, they were trying to pay homage to all of the fallen artists, but I wish they would have really given credence to um, just Little Richard and just let him have a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, it was dope. Um, he passed away in May 2020, so I know it's been a while, but still, this mm-hmm. was, you know, this was a snippet of the type of tribute that he really deserved. Yep. All right. Um, speaking of white award shows that really don't honor black people often, <laughs> um, the Oscar nominations are in. And we, you know, as always, we are rooting for everybody black. A few notable mm-hmm. nominees are the late, great Chadwick Boseman. He was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Alongside mm-hmm. of him is Viola Davis, Best Actress in a Leading Role for the same film. Andre Day, Best Actor in a Leading Role for the U.S. versus Billy Holiday. Leslie Odom for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for One Night in Miami. Daniel Kaluuya uh, for Best mm-hmm. Actor in a Supporting Role in Judas and the Black Messiah. Lakeith Stanfield for Best Actor in a Supporting Now, is Lakeith, was he a supporting actor? I felt like he was the star. And, and and that's the weird thing because I think for the Golden Globes he was nominated for the lead, the lead, the lead role. role, yeah. But now he, for the for the Oscars he's nominated for the supporting role. And, and let me say this: they don't want they, they want to put all these black men against each other. That's what it is. But but he, but here goes the thing: 
a black man better win. <laughs> like, because it's three of them. It's three of them. And it, I think there's five nominations total for, and that, if, for and that if, category. And if a white man rises up, up out of this, we <laughs> brother, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be an issue. But those are the nominations. There's a ton of other black folks. So I am not watching the Oscars. Let me start there. What I will do is be paying close attention to the the news ticker to see who won. Mm -hmm. I will be watching YouTube to catch their their, their speeches so that Mm -hmm. I can hear them shout out God. Uh, Speaking of speeches, Megan was so innocent and beautiful standing up to Beyonce. She She said, I thank God, I thank Beyonce, and I thank Jay-Z for me on Rock Nation. (laughs) She was more happy to be the standing Holy next to Beyonce than she was to be getting that darn award. <laughs> but no, uh, shout out to everybody who's been winning. Shout out to all the nominations in this award season. Um, it's dope to see y'all winning. It's dope to see y'all doing great, black, beautiful things. And this has been a very positive billboard. I've just made it. Thank God for the lack of the drama. Because uh, I got some stuff I want to talk about a little bit later. That is not, oh, not going to be oh. so positive. But, great um, conversation is going to be on, on fire. I listen, got some but, things going to my chest. <laughs> but in the meantime, in between time, y'all grab y'all snacks, um, your popcorn, your, your almonds, your Greek yogurt, whatever it is you're doing, because summer is, is coming. We can't mm-hmm. be eating too many pork rinds and stuff. We got to eat healthy snacks. So get, <laughs> get, get all of your things. Meet us in the living room. And don't waste no crumbs in my living room. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go in my living room. That's Come on down segue. to the living room. That's a great, ain't it a great segue? That's a great segue. That's a great way. Pick up this pit, them, them chip bags <laughs> off the floor and let's go into the living room and have this conversation. <laughs> All right, we are here in the living room. Um, streaming interesting about this conversation, interested in this conversation. And I'm going to kind of start this conversation off with a disclaimer, right? So when we mm-hmm. were scheduling and coming up with our, our schedule for, at the, really at the beginning of the year, we kind of said what our episodes were going to be. Yeah, <clears throat> we, had so, some, we had some conversations about them. Right, we had conversations about what our episodes were going to be. And this was actually supposed to be the episode that it was going to be um, I'm just going to say the episodes will be about parenting and black household dynamics. Yes. So interesting thing is, you know, the whole Kurt Franklin situation popped off. Yes. Um, so just a disclaimer, the fact that we already had this episode, you know, thought about or in the works. Um, but you know, it kind of just, you know, dropped into our laps. So we might as well kind of use that as a framework for the conversation. And of course, this is not a conversation as we do on the jigsaw is to kind of bash or go after folks. And Absolutely. All that kind of stuff. Y'all know that ain't us. That ain't us. Um, but it, it, it just, it, what it does is just kind of gives us a good baseline or a good um, framework for a conversation. Um, but like I said, that's, it's never going to be our intention to uh, one, tear down some black folks. Um, and two, and really just have, and and we don't have the capacity to have that level of discord, right? About right. what's going on. Like we can have our opinions, mm-hmm. but we don't know uh, mm-hmm. what's happening. But like Brian said, I do think this creates uh, an ideal opportunity to talk about black parenting, right? Right, um, right. Because we saw a lot of mixed emotions mm-hmm. around whether they were on Kirk's side or whether they talked about carry on. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people say all I heard was, you know, I brought you in this world, I take you out, and 
you know, who's to say that that's a healthy thing to say to a child? <laughs> so, uh, right. So, right. So, so I mean, Bill, so Bill Cosby said that. Right. Like, right. Uh, America's well, dad said that. Right. Heathcliff said it. We, and we loved him. Oh, so. sorry. He, sorry. Heathcliff. Heathcliff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring that thing in. Heathcliff said it. Cliff, um, Cliff said it. Cliff said But no, but, but seriously, though, you know what I'm saying? Like, while a lot of things are um, normalized, I think, in parenting, specifically black parenting, mm. I think it is fair for us to have certain conversations. And that's what today's episode is all about. So, right. um, you know, just give you some insight. Me and Brian share producing credits on this here podcast, <laughs> and uh, so Brian, kick us off, and let's and let's let's dive into um, let's let's dive into today's discussion. Yeah. Okay. So we're both black, right? And we're both yeah. parents. Um, grew up in black household. So I guess the question I'm gonna start off with to begin with is, uh, what does a black household feel like to you? Ooh, the household in general. Yeah, like what does a black household feel like to you? I think, you know, going back to, not to sound like a broken record, but black people are not a monolithic group. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that varies from region to region, city to city, Mm -hmm. house to house. I mean, we've talked about our different dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the South, what people Mm -hmm. call the mid-South, because Tennessee Mm -hmm. is above your, you know, Arkansas, I mean, um, Alabama, Georgia, you know, that kind of, people think about Mississippi, that kind of mm-hmm. style. But it's, we, we the South. We got our own special mm-hmm. accent, right. you know, our, our, and things. And you <laughs> grew up, you know, just a couple of years before me, all the way across the wall, all the way across the states, near the waters mm-hmm. on the coast, mm-hmm. over there in Pomona, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and another glaring difference mm-hmm. um, was that I grew up in a two parent household. You grew up in a mm-hmm. single parent household. Mm-hmm. Um, you had more siblings than I had, right? So mm-hmm. I think you know those differences really cha- really could really change the dynamics of what a, a household could feel like. But I think mm-hmm. generally, um, I think black households are who I, I don't what's the word. I think it is filled with love. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think sometimes that love is expressed in so many different ways. It's interesting mm-hmm. because I was having a um, preliminary conversation with a with with a, with a friend and we mm-hmm. were talking about I think it was a meme that said people who were raised with love see the world different than those who were raised trying to survive. Right. 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 And I was like, part of that is true. But yeah. there are so many definitions of what love and survival is. Oh. And I think I brought oh, yeah. up um, good times. Like, they were mm-hmm. scratching and surviving, but right. that household was not void of love. So right. while right. their perspective may be different, like, once they made it, I don't think that they look at life void of, I mean, because James was hard, but James very much loved them. Um, oh, yeah, he definitely loved Florida them. showed her love, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. like, even the family friend with Lona, you know, all of, the, all of those dynamics. So... I think I say that to say I think all black households are filled with like this kind of nurturing in a mm-hmm. sense. Uh, it is if 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 there's one consistent thing in black black households, it is a level of preparation mm-hmm. because as black people, as you know, we have to endure and mm-hmm. deal with things that you know non black people don't have to deal with. So I think that is a consistent line. But mm-hmm. of course, you know, we got our things right. Of course. You know, the whole, I brought you in is where I take you out. We have yep. the things that we say to kids. We got the things that we do. Um, but what about for you? What What are your thoughts around that? Uh, I think, and of course, again, like you said, I'm, of course, we and Josh understand that not all households are created equal. Um, but we're kind of giving some general generalities uh, when it comes to certain statements and stuff like that. Um, but I think one thing what a black household to me feels like 
is the best that I got. Yeah. Good, bad, indifferent. Like one thing I can say in my house, I felt like like my mom always gave me the best that she had. Shout like, out and to it could have been <laughs> right. Give me the best <laughs> that I got, right? Um, and it came from a good place. Like it again, wrong. She because she's done stuff, I'm pretty sure, just wrong. But mm-hmm. her intent, and just like I said, just like I think I always say about uh James Evans. Is that his name, James Evans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I even though he like wasn't like, people say he was a toxic parent. He definitely came from like a place of like love and I really wanted to give them the best that I know how to do. Yeah. Um, even if it's wrong, it's still the best that I know how to do. And I think my mom definitely did that. Um, yeah, the best that she had. She she gave us the all that she had. Um, again, if it was wrong, it was wrong. But she was, you know, if anything, she was just learning. She was trying to mm-hmm. you know, figure things out. And I'm sure probably get into that a little bit later. But I think that's what a black house household to me, my household felt like was that um, I'm going to give my maximum effort, whatever I got. Um, then on top of that, I would say it felt like, um, it definitely felt like us against the world. Oh yeah, it absolutely. Like it was us against the world. Like, you know, if... I can see that if, in, I can see that being a line in black households in general. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's, like, a few things my mom would say, like, don't don't let your brother come home and I found out that he got beat up and you ain't do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or, um, like, you you got if if you don't have nobody else, you at least have your your siblings. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was really the the you know setting things up like the fact of like showing how important the 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 family was to one another. Like you need each other to survive. Um, and to grow and to prosper and to to live your best lives. Like rely on these people because if if no one else got you, they gon they gon yeah. they should. Let me say they should support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Me and my siblings had a very similar um, relationship and dynamic. And um, I was the only boy, so there were times where I felt like it's responsible. You know, Rashonda's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So like, wow. And today, that doesn't mean a lot. But when we were growing up, 13 and 16, you know, mm-hmm. some 16-year-old dude was trying to distract my sister. What is what a little skinny 13-year-old? You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> as much as possible, right, I, I was still one. I felt, I felt this responsibility to be, mm-hmm. you know, and she calls me her little big brother, you know, because mm-hmm. one, I, I think my family sits me in this seat of like – the wise child or something. Right, and, right, right. And it's a it's that. it's a burden. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. It's a burden. But but it's one that I do I recognize my space, you know, within mm-hmm. my family. Like I I get it. Um so I so even as a young child, I think I felt like sometimes as the only boy I had to be that. Specifically, mm-hmm. especially for Jessica. Like it's my little sister, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um so I def but we had each other's back. Like I remember mm-hmm. even when I went to when I went off to college and I would come home for the summers. I was the one mm-hmm. taking my sister. I was me and Jessica. Like Jessica was my dad. Already spoiled the crap out of her. But I would mm-hmm. come home bringing her all kind of food, taking spending my little internship money, taking her out <laughs> on dates for lunch, and just I mean just doing the things because mm-hmm. my mom had two brothers, and their mom passed away very early when she was twenty, uh-huh. and she was the oldest. So she became a, a mother for her brothers in a sense. So she raised us in that way to kind of like always be there for your for your for your brother and sister. 
Like yep. y'all might be all y'all got one day. And I think she kind of raised us from that lens of mm-hmm. neither need because my mom and her two younger brothers have different fathers. Um mm-hmm. And neither one of them were very, were like super active in their lives. So they were raised right. pretty by a single mother. Um, so she, you know, so when their mom passed, she became that, I mean, literally became that for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, help raise them, help get them through high school and all those different types of things and um, cooking their dinners and washing, you know, all that, all that at 20, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she became essentially a mother to teenagers. And she, I think, in raising us, kind of put that, I don't want to say burden, but perspective of siblinghood mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. us and making sure that we remain tight and we were strong. I think even stronger than what they were. So mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying, there wouldn't be any breaches in our relationship. And I would say today, you know what I'm saying, we don't talk every single day. Right. But when we do talk, we're on, like, especially me and Rashonda, we're on the phone for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go home, like my my sister is my little sister is all up under my butt, like she was when she was five years old. You know what I'm saying? Or like you know that little teenager looking up to me, and it's just our dynamic. So to that point, oh, yeah. um, you know, kind of like you said, your mom said this. I think my mom was the same way. This is the best that I got because this is mm-hmm. circumstances made me and my siblings this way, and I want mm-hmm. and I'm giving you all I know, and I right, think right. that's something that we have to. While it is things that in many black households that led us to therapy, (laughs) there are things that led us to question why you did this and why you did that. Mm -hmm. I think the the silver lining or the the thing we can empathize with the most is that like, I mean, you you said it like it's and it's it's so appropriate. They gave us what they had. Oh yeah. A lot of time. And that's really all they knew. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I think in kind of going a little bit to pivoting a little bit, I I think when the, the interesting thing, I, I had a conversation with my grandma. Yeah. Um, my grandma was coming to Atlanta one time, and I had the opportunity to, I would say the privilege, I had the privilege to um, drive her to the airport. So that was about an hour drive from Pomona to LA, LAX. Then get on the plane with her for about, from LAX to Atlanta, about four, four and a half hours to really, for the first time, I think, in, in my whole life, really hear my grandma's story. Mm-hmm. Like where she came from, I knew where she came from, but hearing the whole story, where she came from, um, what it was like raising seven kids, um, yeah, what it was like when I'm, I'm putting all my family business out here. What it was like when uh, her and my grandfather got divorced, when my grandfather messed around with somebody else, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah, brought his baby to the house, <laughs> um, all that stuff, right? And then, so when I had the conversation with her. It was kind of a situation like, oh, oh, it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, why and how my mom did certain things and why she was intentional uh, on doing certain things, why she was intentional uh, when it came down to ensuring that my siblings and I were close, why she was intentional um, with um, displaying affection. Like my grandma, my mom told me all, my grandma didn't like give hugs and kisses. Like it's just something she didn't do. Because my grandma didn't grow up in my grandma was in her eighties, mm-hmm. so during the time she grew up, it wasn't something that was was done. Like it was affection wasn't a huge, a huge thing. So I, what I realized is a lot of stuff that my grandma may or may not have done. And again, my grandma did the best that she can do uh, with seven kids, single parent. You know what I'm saying? You working every day, and then you trying to raise kids by yourself. Right. Right. Um, so I realized that my grandma did the best she could do. So then my mom did the best she can do. And 
I it kind of was like, oh, snap, like, that's why my mom did all these things. That's why she spoke this. That's why she was intentional with all these things. Um, and I think that was one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest days of my life because it kind of opened up a lot of and unpacked a lot of the issue, opened up a lot of doors, but also unpacked a lot of the things to where I can go back and say, oh, okay, I understand why she did that or why, you know, why she did that. And I think, and I can say this too, you're close to your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so were there some things, and you talked to your grandma too. I just so talked to grandma dearly today. Right. So, <laughs> and, and I'm sure you've had conversations. Do you feel that there were certain things based off of her upbringing, her life that she kind of passed on to your dad? And then you kind of see that throughout your life or when you were raised? Yeah. So my grandmother's work ethic. Um, okay. She, she consistently says, if I could do it all over again, I would have had 10 children. Hmm. Um, okay. Because for a woman born in the, you know, the, the, the relatively early 20s, I guess you can call it that, mm-hmm. um, 1926. Yeah, she was, she was born. Um, mm-hmm. She only had two kids. And wow. you know, back then, they, they was... They was popping up five, out. six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, thirteen. Like her mother. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Celestine and Early Harris. <laughs> ain't, ain't, just, ain't just some strong, sturdy black names. My great grandma was now. Celestine, and her, Celestine. her husband was Early. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, Early, Early Harris. Um, but they had fourteen children, and my grandmother was mm-hmm. the oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And she has consistently told me stories about how. Her, she was like, Mama taught all of us how to cook. And my gra- I tell everybody, my grandmother's a phenomenal baker. She was like, Dilly, you gonna bake. And to this mm-hmm. day, and just a sidebar, ain't it amazing how with no recipes, no formulas, they came up with, they figured out how to make homemade cakes and pies mm-hmm. and oh, just, yeah. and, and, and like my grandma tell you now, you need to put one fourth of a half a teaspoon. Grandma, what the heck does that mean? Um, <laughs> but right. like, you know what I'm saying? But it's like that level of work ethic. But anyway, because she was the oldest daughter, she again had responsibility of almost being like a surrogate mother mm-hmm. to her siblings. And she um, dropped out of high school in 10th grade to kind of mm-hmm. continue to take on that. She also had her first child at 16, mm-hmm. and then, which was my uncle, and then my dad at 38. <laughs> okay. Right? That huge gap. And huge the reason gap. why I brought that up about she saying I would do it again is because she spent those years making mm-hmm. sure that. Her, my, you know, because you know, back then you get you get pregnant. Back then you get married. Her, and my granddad got married, and they was oh, married yeah. up until the time he he passed away. And um, but they made sure my granddad had a fifth grade education. But they made wow. sure that the struggles that they had growing up in rural Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, when they brought their kids to a a city, West Memphis, right outside of Memphis, Tennessee, West Memphis, mm-hmm. Arkansas, that they would not live that life. So she worked. Right, right. You know, since she was not a housewife. In the mm-hmm. in the thirties and forties, bro, like right. she she drove to Memphis and worked for Memphis Furniture Factory, hand reupholstering furniture <laughs> by hand, wow. and then mm-hmm. from there worked at a dry cleaners up until she retired when she was like seventy something. My mm-hmm. grandfather um, owned a liquor store, worked at a bank with a fifth grade education, managed wow. the dry cleaners. Um, so they passed that on to my dad and like. At one point, that man has worked three jobs, not because he necessarily had to, but that Mm -hmm. was just in his mind. There is something I want to accomplish for my family Mm -hmm. and whatever it takes. This is what I need to do. I think the downfall to that, though, was that 
um, there were moments he missed in terms of being at work or being mm-hmm. tired. And like today, mm-hmm. the man of God still works two jobs. He's like, there's some bills I want to pay for. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the money got to get made. Somehow, you know what I'm saying? And my parents, <laughs> my parents do well. They're empty nesters. They do well for themselves. But my again, right. I think, like you said, it was that that work ethic from my grandma and grandfather. Like even when my grandfather retired, my grandma kept working mm-hmm. because she was just that independent type of woman right. she she uh-huh. definitely respected and you know honored my granddad but she was also that very much so i got my own dough i don't you know i don't, I need you but i don't need you you know and she never right. said that but her like right. the way she moved and navigated gave mm-hmm. that boss kind of aura and i think my dad very much passed it out to me which i mean to, to she passed it out to him which is you you know me mm-hmm. i'm always doing fifteen thousand things and i just right. think it's that <laughs> It is, it is something in that Harris, Rogers, mm-hmm. that side of my family that is kind of like, we got to grind to get it. And I think now that's why I'm so keen on self-care because mm-hmm. I saw, I see my dad, right? Who, right, missed, right. We, when I go home, he's tired. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I tell him, dude, mm-hmm. you up. his birthday's coming up. Um, it's Saturday, so to speak. So y'all wish, wish my dad a happy birthday. Um, happy birthday. But I tell him all the time, you almost 60, man. You can't. You ain't no spring chicken. You can't be doing all this, this kind of stuff. But you know what's funny? It's the same stuff he tell my grandma, <laughs> who still be trying to like maintain her own yard at almost ninety five. And right, right, and thank God she's in her right mind. But I, re- it was that work ethic. So, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't. A, and and they loved hard, but they loved to work. And right, right, their right. their their love language was really acts of service. I'm going mm-hmm. to do all these things. I'm going to make sure your life is as comfortable as it can be even mm-hmm. if that means it's for the sake of my personal discomfort. Right. And as a child, now watching that and being in mm-hmm. therapy and being like all this kind of stuff, I'm like, but dad, you ain't got to do all that. Right, right. Like, right. I, like, you know what I'm saying? But one thing that I'm working through is that <laughs> I show my love through work, right? I tell mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, hey, I just did these mm-hmm. great things. Love me, right? So it's <laughs> so it's something mm-hmm. that I'm also like, and it's to what you say, it's it's just passed now. And I think that was something pervasive in our household. Like my mom, um, me and her was having a conversation, and she was literally almost for I don't know, she knows for about thirty minutes just bragging. She's like, you know, your dad take care of me, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, and she was just going in. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. and and I love that, right? And that was a model for me for love and relationships. Um, right. But again, I think. I love the type of man that he is and I honor it. And I always mm-hmm. say my dad is one of my superheroes. Um, right. But I also think, like you said, knowing my grandmother's story and understanding my grandfather's story too. Like he was raised by a single mom, which is mm-hmm. kind of uncommon. I think his father right. was at that, a at that time. Yeah, his father was I, I got a picture of Thaddeus Rogers. His father, like he was like he was one of them. You you remember, you remember the movie Life? Thaddeus is like he was about uh-huh. that life. He was in that juke joint, <laughs> running them streets, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and Willie Mae Bell, shout out to my great-grandmother. You know, we got we got them names, you know what I'm saying? Ray, strong names. Ray, right, raise Thaddeus and Willie Mae. Ray raised my grandfather, I think, you know, the best that she could. And from what I understand, she was his, uh, he was her only child, right? So mm. I think their perspectives and just that the, the, um, the nuances of them kind of being these anomalies, so to speak, in the 20s mm-hmm. and 30s, and then them two only having two children, and then only two mm-hmm. boys, you know, and all that kind of stuff, um, I think really shaped how my dad, because my dad also grew up as an only child, because mm-hmm. when my uncle was 
when my dad was born, my uncle moved off to New York. He was grown, right? right. So it was, you know what I'm saying? So I think all of that kind of shaped um, how he raised us. And it really turned into this, we going to work for it. We going to grind mm-hmm. for it. But at the same time, I'm mm-hmm. also working. I think the the line of it was they showed us great work ethic, but what mm-hmm. the, I think that what they really wanted to show was that I'm gonna work hard, so you don't have to work as hard. And I think that's right. continued to be passed down. Like my grandma worked super hard, <clears throat> so that my daddy wouldn't have to work as hard, and now he's mm-hmm. working super hard so that we wouldn't have to work as hard. And I feel like now I'm grinding in a certain way to set up my children in a certain right. way. So I think. You know, while there are different levels, and I think the level of work has been reduced from generation mm-hmm. to generation, I right. can see that consistent line throughout this whole Rogers dynamic. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but it is, you know, it's just kind of what it is. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your with, question, but yeah. No, it, it, it answers the question because there's, there's, I think sometimes we don't, um, I think sometimes I don't think we really take inventory on why we do things because we don't, in some cases, we don't really know where we come from like mm-hmm. unfortunately i don't really know like you know i, I gotta I, at some point i gotta have conversations with my dad like to i don't know too much about my my paternal grandparents you know mm-hmm. so i know their names i know where they're from but i don't really know too much about their like personalities their characteristics so i can't even say like oh i'm like them or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so, so that that kind of sucks but yeah and it's but even like as when it comes down to passing down like work ethic and work habits and i can probably agree to that my mom is my grandma worked a lot um and then my mom worked my mom can't sit still um, i'm probably not as bad when it comes to like not sitting still um i think the thing that kind of got passed down to me that mm-hmm. was probably was toxic and my i don't think my mom was trying to it wasn't i don't think that she was passing it down intentionally that's a toxic behavior um it was the fact of like perfection um, is like what's like the like if it ain't if it ain't perfect, then it ain't right. It ain't you know what I'm saying like that was the, the it was that was kind of like one of the mantras in the household was like it need to be it need to be right. If it yeah. ain't right, don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. So I actually posted about it on Instagram this week or Facebook this week about the fact of like how you know every like I'm I don't do a lot of things because I feel like it's not good enough, or if I do it. And then it doesn't come out the way I felt like it should have come down. Then I'm like, oh, that was terrible. And then I'm like yeah. second guessing who I am because it's the fact of like, like you said, as far as the, you know, wanting love or feeling like, you know, you're adequate. And if, if the, the, the process in the house was perfection was, was the thing, even and I, and I'm not going to say that that's what my mom like made us think that we had to be perfect. But like you, I saw that, you know, her whole thing was, or the mantra was, we're striving for perfection. Mm-hmm. And every day was, we're striving for perfection. We're striving for perfection. We're Ooh, striving for perfection. Don't get me started on Robin. Go ahead. And <laughs> and I th- and the, what what happened is, I think it ended up like it's it was it was a pressure. So mm-hmm. I'm every day. It's like I'm trying to be perfect, or or um, I'm trying to do the right thing every day. Always make the right decisions. I'm always trying to. You know, if in some case, try to take the upper, the, the high road because I don't want to be, you know what I'm saying? And I think it was a thing that was supposed to be positive. Yeah. But I think it actually is the thing that kind of makes me want to go sit on the couch and talk to somebody about it. Because if anything, it's supposed to be positive. Go but sit it's, and it's, talk about it. <laughs> but it's but it's actually is a negative thing. So I, I kind of what's, what's saying that you kind of already mentioned some things. What are some things that you're like, I know it was meant to be positive. Not even, I mean, say that. Let me, what are some things that you would say? 
um, that that probably went on in the house that you feel like you wish you probably wouldn't have gone down that path or felt like maybe if if you were being if you were raising yourself, you would have shifted some of the conversations a little bit. I brought my first C home in eighth grade. My mama told me, you didn't do nothing. You could stay at home, made a C. <laughs> and, um, and again, that's something her mother kind of mm-hmm. instilled in them. Like, I see. And yep, I, I have the same experience. <laughs> and, and I don't know if she knows this, but to this day, that sticks with me. And mm. in some ways, it's funny. Like, I laugh mm-hmm. about it. But in some ways, it really guides how I'm like, Cause, cause in a C, literally, when you're looking at the grades, it says average, right? But yeah. if you look at the grades, like I remember, like A was excellent, B good, mm-hmm. C average, D below average, F fail. Um, so in my mind, when she said that, what that equated to me was, you don't, you can't be average, right, right, right. And uh, good, bad, or indifferent that same level of pressure wasn't always applied to my sisters. And I think, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. I think part, I think part of it was because I was always an A student and my sisters are really right. intelligent too, but I was mm-hmm. like that, you know, that kind of that star student in school, so to speak. And when I brought home that C, it was also eighth grade. So I was like maturing and my balls was dropping. My, you know, my voice get deeper. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like this is eighth grade. I'm really like seriously, you know, you had your little crushes, but at this point I'm seriously looking at little girls and, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about dating and girlfriend and mm-hmm. all. And then girls are really looking. They now they looking at me because I was always the skinny kind of nerdy kid, but now they looking at me because I had, I had started brushing my hair and put the, I wore my wave caps. So I had waves now. So I'm like, it's, these things are working. <laughs> right. Was Slava Manav out at the time? Oh, yeah, that was like 95. I was six when that came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I had friends around me. Like my childhood best friend was in ninth grade. And mm-hmm. I won't put his business out there, but like he was, you know, exploring. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was aware of some of these things. So like my mind is changing and I'm in this really complicated. It was my first time being an extracurricular activity. I was in, you mm-hmm. know, black marching band. Uh, so I imagine drum line for 13 year olds, right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually when that came out because it was one of our homework assignments. He made us go watch it. Um, but anyway, like, so my mind was there. And I, and I don't think that in her, for her, she didn't care about any of that. <laughs> your right. job, and, and my parents consistently told me this your job is to be a good student. And, yep. and the fact that I, you know, pretty much failed at my job. Um, was was something that put me back up because that next six weeks to get our report card every six weeks. That next six weeks, <laughs> A's again. Like I had, a, and that, and she was like, "See, that's I know you weren't doing nothing because because mm. it was it was so it wasn't <laughs> even like you got an A. Congratulations! It was like that's how I know you weren't doing nothing because look how simple. <laughs> and she knew it. Like I didn't go to tutoring, I didn't stay mm-hmm. out of school. I just refocused, and that's right. really all I needed. I just needed to refocus. And on top of that, the trauma of that was that one senior eighth grade, because I was taking ninth grade credits, like ninth grade mm-hmm. classes, uh, two of them anyway. Me and the valedictorian of my high school class, we were a percentage point apart. And it was because mm-hmm. of that C I made and she got an A in the eighth grade. Oh, year. wow. Wow. And she got it over me. I think my our weighted GPA, we had like five. We was... I was popular in school, but I was still a super nerd. Uh, <laughs> as far as the <laughs> academics, we had like a 5.1-ish weighted GPA, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Unweighted. She had a 3.99. I had a 3.98. And it was because of that. It was because of that C. Mm-hmm. Why is that relevant? Because even in 12th grade, that came back to me. Um, right. And today, it rests with me in ways that make me think about how I navigate life. I think I even said it to my son before. It had mm-hmm. to stop me. Like, wait a minute. I don't want to put that. I want Josh to have all A's and B's. Right, right. You know, but I don't want to put that pressure because sometimes you may not be the best math student. Or you right. may not be the best. Because I'm not really good at math. I'm really good at learning either. concepts. So right, in 10th right. grade or next grade, I, if you teach me geometry and algebra 2, I'm going to learn it and I'm going to kill the test. But mm. next year, I ain't going to learn it there. Like, cause, because I'm re- I'm good at mastering concepts in the moment um, and really learning what I need to learn. You know what I'm saying? I know how to learn. I need to learn to be successful. Right. And that was kind of the hustle that my, I think another thing my parents gave me, too, which is not always a good thing. Learning what picking up what you need to pick up to be successful and going on with the rest. Right. And um, so that's one thing I definitely would have navigated differently. Mm-hmm. Um, in my household, I think a different another thing was that, and again, my mom got saved. We like my mom grew up Baptist. My dad did too. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to oh, we went, you know went to the beautiful Zion Missionary Baptist Church. Beautiful Zion. Yeah, they had a scandal. We left that church. <laughs> uh, but my mama grew up in Monumental Missionary Baptist Church. Shout All out right. to the the late um, Reverend Doctor um, Samuel Cows. He was one of Reverend Doctor. Yeah, he was one of my Luther King homies. Um, so. Really rich Baptist heritage, but mm-hmm. my mom's best friend was Kojic, which was the mm-hmm. founder of the church that you know I grew up in. Right. So when we left that church. We went to we went to Kojic, and my mom got saved. And she made you, you know you know when you first get saved. Oh, you yeah. don't want to kill a roach, right? You're doing everything. Right. You blah 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 blah. Um. So I think that that shift in um theology, I'll say like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to say it was damaging, but I will say right. I navigate that space and duality and relevance with my children a lot differently. Um, my children know the fear of the Lord. They know about the Holy mm-hmm. Ghost, right? <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they know what we stand for. They know, you know, what we're teaching them in terms of ethics and values. But right. some of the dogmatic things that um, I was taught growing up that really ain't biblical, um mm-hmm. and and I don't blame my mom at all. Um, it was what we were taught growing up in that church, right. right? And it wasn't wrong. It just wasn't necessarily law. You know what I'm saying? And it took me leaving, oh, yeah. and expanding and growing to understand that. Um, so I definitely think as a child, having that level of, I don't want to say freedom, but kind of mm-hmm. not feeling condemned about everything, I think right. would have changed my perspective and vantage point. Um, growing up in some areas as well, if, if if I can be honest about that. Yeah, and I, I can agree. I, I would agree with that. And the thing is, I, my mom was like more one of the liberal parents, okay. and she was still like super strict. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't, she was more of the, she was liberal in terms of like, um, in terms of like, you know, because she, she knew what it was like to be the outsider at church. Like she grew up in the broken home, to quote unquote. So she knew she understood that. But in terms of like, just like she had the dogma, the dogmatic type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> yeah. And and again, that goes back to the beginning. Like as far as that was the best that they had. That's what. That's all they knew. And she knew. You know, that's what she knew. My mom got saved uh, when I was twenty. When I was twenty, when she was 20, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20, whatever, around that time. So my mom been saved my whole life. So all I knew was 
church and, you know, sanctification and the Holy Ghost and all that kind of stuff. And I think seeing that or growing up in that lifestyle and that household mm-hmm. kind of makes me want to, again, be a little more balanced in my child rearing in terms of what I would allow Brooklyn to do and not to do. Yeah. I will say that a lot of the foundation type stuff, like we ain't watching no witchcraft movies in this house. You know what I'm saying? Like not in this black we, house. We didn't watch the witchcraft movie. We watched a few scary movies. <laughs> but it was like Scream and like, you know, oh, that but Scream is not really a scary yeah, movie. That's but, like but a, yeah, a funny movie. Yeah. But we weren't watching no Amityville horrors and, nah, and nah. stuff. So so there's there's some stuff like I can, you know, growing up, but you know, my mom wouldn't let us do, but now I understand as an adult, like, nah, this ain't that ain't it. That ain't mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pivoted in that. So um I, I think that was something to where I feel like that is something in our my lifetime that I feel like I would I'm gonna shift for Brooklyn is gonna be a little more leniency and um one thing I did not like, and I and you may have grown like this too, like the the inability to really have conversations or the inability to what well, some people consider talking back. Like the, like I really wanted to know the, the, the answer. I really wanted to know like, like why are you asking me to do this? Like what is the thought process behind this? And the answer would always be, I'm sure most black people understand. Because I said so. Because I said so. <laughs> and if you keep asking me, you're gonna be some, it's gonna be some problems. <laughs> right. Is, is did you have that same experience? I'm I'm sure you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it was interesting because I feel like that was kind of the I think that was kind of the unspoken rule. Like mama said it, we just doing it. But mm-hmm. I felt like the older we got into like teenage years, she actually opened up more and was like <sighs> I don't want to say more receptive to us asking why, but just mm-hmm. kind of like in her doing so, just explaining herself when she's asking. And my right. dad has always been, I mean, you met my dad. He's real mm-hmm. chill, laid back mm-hmm. kind of guy. But he's always right. been that kind of guy who would ask you to do something. And, you know, he wouldn't give you like a, he didn't give you no parables, but right. he'll do some like Josh, Take the trash out, but because it's food in there, go pour some bleach in it in in the big garbage can because we don't, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, right? It was always like a not a lesson, but he would attach something to it. Like I'm not just gonna tell you to put no bleach in there and just do it because I say it. I'm telling you because like we live like we didn't live in a wooded area. We live in an area with a lot of trees, and mm-hmm. like a possum will come eat out your trash can. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right, it's just right. so he was like, if you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> put some put right. some you put some in there, you know. So so it was like those like he was always that kind of guy, you know. What I'm saying go right. get me this because I need to do A, B, and C. So it's like oh, okay, bit I still may not feel like doing it because I'm right. 15 year old Josh, but it's just what it you know what I'm saying what it was. Um, like even in our household, we didn't grow up with closed doors at all. Oh, Only yeah. when we were changing clothes. Right, um, yeah, nah. but nobody slept with their door closed. Nobody had their door closed, and it was just open door. Like, you know, right. what I'm saying? but my mom never like because I I always had my own room, so there was mm-hmm. no like me sharing a room. My like wasn't no weird kind of like precautions right, right, right. or it was just what it was. But it was something in that house that she never explained. But it but I don't think she ever had to because it was just right, the right. rule of the home. And even today. When I go to Memphis, sometimes I close my door now because I'm a family. But when I first go back, I ask me like, "You gonna close the door?" I'd be like, "For what?" 
And that just, it was because it was just like, <laughs> right. it, ain't, it ain't what we did. Um, right. But yeah, the, 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 I think we grew up understanding that when mama and daddy said that we just do it. But I mm-hmm. will say, I felt like as we got older, and this was before college, she kind of started navigating in a space where she would be more, um, I guess, willing to talk through the things mm-hmm. she wanted us to do. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, let's, let's talk about it in terms of parenting. Like, and I saw this actually on um, social media today. Somebody asked a question, like, do children, I don't think, did this say deserve? I think they somebody said, they posted, like, do children deserve um, an explanation or apologies and explanations? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Because <clears throat> I think as much as we are parents, we're still human. Right, And I think sometimes when our children frustrate us, we can operate in a level of frustration with them that yep. in the moment, mm-hmm. like, okay, perfect example. There have been times I've come home tired and I can tell Ashley, baby, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And she mm-hmm. can respect that and be cool. Right. When Jaden want to get a hug, be like, Jaden, you know, he's, I've seen him walk away sad. And he was just mm-hmm. like, and in his mind, I just want to hug my daddy. And that's right. not fair to him because he's not able to conceptualize that. So the next conversation with him is not the typical parent, what you what you want to eat, you know, to make it feel better because right, he don't understand right, right. that. Oh, it's terrible. It is um legit. I'm sorry, son. Come here. How was your day? You know, and, and kind of mm-hmm. starting it over. Um, right. so do they deserve apologies? Absolutely. Do they deserve like strict discipline and sometimes too? I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think there are times where we are there have been times where I've legit disciplined Josh been super angry and then when i've calmed down i have apologized but then explained to him but that doesn't excuse your behavior you were still wrong and Mm -hmm. what you know what i said i I really meant it (laughs) but the ways in which i said it you know what i'm saying so i think and i think that that's helpful to him too so he can understand like all right my dad ain't just yelling at me my dad ain't just threatening me. my dad ain't just whatever um you know i was in the wrong and, you mm-hmm. know, it gives him, because, you know, one of the conversations we have with Josh now, like the insight, you know, my son, bro, my son will be 10 in July. Wow. He's going to go into a double digits, bro. I have a 10 year old. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of the conversations we consistently have is like, Josh, you're about to be 10, dude. So some mm-hmm. of this behavior is just like, just your last year of elementary, you're going to your last year of elementary school. Like, wow, this, this, this baby stuff, you know what I'm saying? And we just, so I think our, how we deal with him is even changing, which is different mm-hmm. than probably how I would have been dealt with at 10 had I, you know, done some of the things, Josh, Josh, I probably just got out <laughs> beating of my life. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think, um, as far as like raising my children, there's definitely some things I'm doing differently for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if for no other reason, I'm not married, like I'm. Me and Asha aren't Robin and JB. And, right, right. you know, on the Converse, we're not Gary and Karen, which are her parents. Right. So mm-hmm. I think we, you know, we're different. And there are some things that we both experienced that we want to do different. So yep. I think that creates a new dynamic in our household as well. Uh, and then just the way that I think the world has changed. Because even my mom, my parents' perspective yep. on things are different today. I feel like if they were yep, raising yep, us yep. in 2021, it would be different than they when they raised us in 1991 or 2001, right? When I was mm-hmm. when 2001, what was I? I was 12, so I'm you know very close to Josh's age. So I right. think in 2001, you know, my mom raising me would have been very different than how I'm raising my son now in 2021. Um, and I just think 
based on culture of the time and the dynamics mm-hmm. of the time and things like that, you know, perspectives were different. Things like, because yep. even like some of the dogmatic things that, you know, I grew up in the church, my mom don't think the same way about a lot of that stuff today. Yep. yep. You know what I'm saying? So, so <laughs> it, it's just kind of like, you know, and like to your point, she, and she was one of the more liberal Kojic evangelists, right? I was able to, <laughs> I was able to listen to R&B and rap. I was able to go to the movies. Um, I was able to be in band. Um, right. You know, when I had a project, she didn't make me come to the church and sit on the back row and do homework. I stayed home and did my homework. Um, oh, lucky. Yeah, you. I mean, now there were times where I was <laughs> in the back, but it had to be like a worksheet. But if it had, if I right. told her I had like homework, homework. I won't mm-hmm. finna be distracted with y'all tearing on that all the time. I got home. I got. I got. <laughs> I'm not finna write da 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 and make a mistake and write that on my paper. Like no, <laughs> and, and, and I, we didn't have laptops, so everything you know what I'm saying. I had to hand right. write stuff. You know what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. like when we're raising our children, and I think I was talking to my mom, and I was telling her about the decision that we made. When we were at our former church. Asha made to stop going to Bible study because the boys' school scared. My mom was like, makes sense. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. You know, whoa. You know, so I mean, because I mean, Asha stopped going because you know where we mm-hmm. went to church. It was 30 minutes I from know. our house. We didn't get out yeah. of Bible study till nine, which means we want to get home mm-hmm. to 930, which means we, you know, we had, we were going to get settled to 10. That's a lot for a child to wake up at right. six o'clock. And you know right. what I'm saying? To be doing all that. So anyway, I think those things I would have definitely some things I would have done differently um, and, and very much so am doing differently. Um right. And again, I don't know that I blame them um, mm. for anything wrong, but it do, he, he, here's the here's the thing though. Just mm. because I don't blame them for whatever they did or said and how it affected me, it doesn't take away that it probably had some type of effect, and it mm-hmm. doesn't absolve them from whatever they said or did and how that made me feel and how that affected right. me in the future. Right. And I think right. that's the balance we have to have with our parents. Like, I don't hate my mom. There is nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't hate my father. I don't even I don't even I love them like they're, you know, I say that my dad's one of my best friends and my mom. We talk on a we, we ain't, you know, we ain't friends, you know, like as right. like she my kiki buddy. But we talk on a friendship esque level. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, that don't mean like the whole C situation. There's not things that I'm still like processing as an adult. Right. Right. Um, that came from my parents. And I think that is fair to understand the duality in in that loving and understanding, but also being like, you know, this affected me in this way. Yeah. And I think it's, it's being honest. And I think it's, it's cool. You can actually have the conversation with your parents and being like, like, I don't dislike you. You know what I'm saying? I, and again, I'm, I'm extending the grace to you because I knew this is the best that you had. Yeah. You know, I mean, even think about this now, like. Like you don't know how to. You can be read as many. I think, and I, this is what I believe. You can read as many books as you want before you have kids, and you're still not gonna be prepared. And, oh, absolutely. Them books are trash. Right, anyway. <laughs> right. And I think every single day, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, and, and mind you, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and mind you, Lauren and I, we had kids year nine. We had a, our child year nine, mm-hmm. so we had nine years to kind of think about and talk about. Our parenting styles, what we plan on and doing. Here we are going into your nine with a ten year old, <laughs> right? But even with even within the conversations that we had, it still is kind of like, ooh. Once you get into thing, it's a it's whole different. nother ball game. It's, it's a whole nother ball game. And then I'm thinking, like, again, your parents had three kids. Mm-hmm. My mom had four. 
So I'm, I think there's a certain level of grace I'm, I extend to my parents. And, and even though my dad didn't necessarily like raise me, I still extend a certain level of grace because I'm like, I know what it's like to be a parent now. Mm-hmm. So even though, like you said, I can still hold you accountable and be like, eh, y'all didn't do that right. That wasn't cool. But still, it's a certain level of grace. Like you're doing the best that you could. And I'm going to, in my life, try to do better than that. Um, but then also not even, I think sometimes I think we try to be like, I'm going to be better than my parents, blah, blah, blah. But even some of the, even the negative things that they may have done may have benefited you in the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and I think, and I struggle with that word, I'm going to be better than them. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. It's a I struggle different. with that because I think different. Cause I think yeah. also what was ne- what's necessary to raise Josh was very different. Josh second is very different. Mm-hmm. What's necessary to raise me was me. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. And my, my wife is a phenomenal mother, but I don't know that mm-hmm. Asha's parenting. And I'll just be very honest. I don't know that Asha would have been the, the best mother for me. Like how mm-hmm. she's raising our boys. Not to say it's not a good mother. She's a great mother. Right. Right. But I think I need like part of me needed Robin and JB. Right. And right. I think that Josh and Jada need Asha and Joshua. And I think that's the difference that mm-hmm. we kind of have to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? While you had your mom, like, but Brooklyn needs you and Lauren. And I think there's something right. different that you two bring right. to the table that their parents, mm-hmm. like y'all parents, you know, may bring some solid stuff because they raise great kids, but it's very right. different than what Brooklyn probably needs and how to respond. Like, I was just watching This Is Us. Mm-hmm. And one of their daughters um, came out as a lesbian and she's yep. dating a bi- gender binary person that is, that's they, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. How would our parents even would our parents even know what to do with that? Would our parents even know how to deal with anything like on that level, considering you know how the LGBTQ community um in many ways are still oppressed and overlooked, but how they were really looked down upon um when we were growing up as teenagers and things like that. So um I think I think the better word for it all is really different and that's not necessarily a scapegoat or a excuse for, you know, for any, like you said, for any of their behavior. It's not that like we can't hold them accountable, but I definitely think um, it's an opportunity for us to understand the differences that our children need and the ways in which we can meet those differences and the ways in which we can be the types of parents that they need considering that right. our current perspectives and the current times that we're in. Right. Right. And I think that, and I think that's the thing that I've kind of realized. And I know sometimes it talks about as far as the generation get a little bit wiser. I don't think we got wiser in any, in any stretch of the imagination. I just think things have changed. Culture has changed, and we look at things much differently. Like for one example, would be emotional intelligence. The- now, I, I will pause you and say I, th- I think there is a different level of wisdom in emotional intelligence, though. I will say okay. that in, in some mm-hmm. areas, I think I have to right. push back a little bit on that note. Okay. Um, yeah, because like just think about how sometimes when women, you know, especially with their daughters, women who are a little more voluptuous would be like, "Girl, you need to put some on. You fast." Mm-hmm. Just because she wore something tight, but 
she got all that booty because everybody in their family got booties. Like right. she can't control <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? And why right. does she have to now be responsible for some other man? You know, why is she now fast? Right. Because somebody's looking at her. You know what I'm saying? I think today, right. right, I think we are wiser in that sense of, you know, empowering women to understand that your body is your body, your curves are your curves. And right. what we want to do is teach you self-respect. Right, right. Right. And and allow you to recognize the ways in which you could be disrespected and what may be some consequences of wearing that stuff is. But if you're gonna wear it, own it. Right. right I right. think that's the difference. And versus you fast, you look like a little hoe. You know what I'm saying? Because that's mm-hmm. very real language that mothers oh, would use oh, with, yes. with, with with their daughters, right? So I think in some <laughs> respects we are a little mm-hmm. wiser, and that comes with us acknowledging stuff that they wouldn't acknowledge as parents. Oh yeah, and, and and that kind of is a is a is a good point to the fact of, I think the being honest and really acknowledging faults and flaws and stuff like that mm-hmm. within the previous generation, some things went unsaid. I think now, uh, go. I think things are actually said now, but I also think we have language to address certain things that went unsaid. I I. For instance, like one statement, and we could talk about this and we'll probably wrap it up. One statement that I kind of, I, in hindsight, I hated that I heard was what goes in this house stays in this house. Mm. Like in, in theory, I kind of understand it, but a part of me is kind of like, I can see how that can have some negative, um, and it can be, it can be, and it can be dangerous too. No, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, you know, what if there are some instances when there is like abuse or, you know, and then you're told like, oh, whatever happens is out stays in this house. Like, but if, if something's happening in this house that I need to tell somebody, I can see how I could potentially, potentially be dangerous. What do you what do you think? No, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think to a certain extent, true, because I live by the mantra that my house is my house. And that but right. but what that means is that the intricate details of my home is not for the public. Right. But what that also means that if there is some type of level of abuse or, you know, inappropriate activity, then I think in the general, yes, it stays in the house in the context right. of this is a family issue. But what right. that does not mean is that I won't go to a certain level of authority. What that does right. not mean that we won't go to therapy. What that does not mean I ain't calling police. What that does mm-hmm. not mean that I'm not going to the local gun shop and put somebody in the face if I need to. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not, you know, what right. it means is that it is still a fan. I think for I think and I think that's the difference for us, right? For them, it was right. like, shh, we ain't gonna ever talk about it. But I think for right. our generation, it's more like, no, it's a family issue, but right. we ain't gonna sit on it. Like we're gonna address it. Uh-huh. We gonna right. like, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna call it for what it is, and then we can move forward. Right. Because right. what I don't want is the trauma of, you know what I'm saying. 20 years later, you talking about, you know, cousin such and such did this or somebody said that, like, like nah, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. and, and we, like, even with our children, we mm-hmm. have been building, like, even when they go outside and play, they, you mm-hmm. know, they they talk to kids and they're learning stuff, like, you know, something as simple as Santa Claus. You know, Gigi right. said there was no Santa Claus, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I, I went to my told you, I said, that's a godless child. And I said, you don't listen, you don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but it's but they but I say that to say that um 
they're like, you know, they're being influenced in so many ways. But what mm-hmm. Ash and I try to do is really talk through what that means and um and and to have very vivid conversations about, you know what I'm saying? I know y'all are kids and y'all are brothers, so y'all tell each other stuff. But at the same time, you should be wanting to talk to me like Jaden is six but the man when I tell you the man of God is a noob all through and through he now <laughs> has, you know he be when he get his hair cut be talking about his little curls how he want him to pop and you know he get, <laughs> last week he got his hair cut woke up the next morning it was like you know my curls are kind of flat they're not curly like they was when I first got my hair cut <laughs> and I had to I said why you want and I found out it's this little girl at school that he got his little eye on right and I and I make that point to say that you know what I'm saying well, let's talk about what that means mm-hmm. to like a little girl, and let's talk about some of the ways in which we can we can we can have our little six year old crush and be appropriate, mm-hmm. right? right? You know, so if we see her, we ain't gotta you know say crazy stuff or ask crazy questions. We can just kind of you know flirt like a six year old, and that means right. smiling, that means sharing your fruit snacks, that means <laughs> you know what I'm saying those type of things, keeping it appropriate but making it normalizing affection normalizing right. things that they're like you know they're six but they know they know what's because Jaden Jaden's my wild child Jaden said daddy I mm-hmm. saw this girl looking at me but she you know she's you know she she's U-G-L-Y <laughs> and so I mean so even at his young age he's able to you know look at what in his mind is attractive and pretty and whatever and I think the thing for us is normalizing that and i say all of that to say we have to normalize communication and that's the way we break that mantra if we can start Mm -hmm. having open communication when things happen good or bad right Mm -hmm. we can have those conversations and navigate these different situations in ways that lead us to you know, amicable solutions or just solutions in general. And not to say that you won't still be in therapy later, but oh, yeah. it is to say that we can kind of ward off some of that trauma um, that happened in childhood. Yeah. And I, and I, I think me and Lauren kind of have said the same thing. Like our goal is to really try to make sure we want to limit or minimize the kind of things, the things that Brooke is going to have to be on the couch for. Mm-hmm. Like she's going to be on the like everyone needs to be on everybody the couch. Everybody needs a therapist. Point. So everybody needs to be on the couch yeah. at some point. But we want it to be a minimal amount of things. And we don't want us to be the top of the list, like of the things like that my parents did that have me here. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we want to have the ability to feel like if you if it's open lines of communication, like if we're doing something, um, we're going to, you know, acknowledge our faults and, and at least give the ability to be like, hey, mom, dad, I ain't like this. Um, and ask the questions and in regards to something that we're doing or we've done, like, we, I want you to be able to be like, you know, dad, mom, I, I don't like this. This is how I'm feeling. Yeah. This hurt my feelings. And hear us, you know, say, oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, that we did this. I'm sorry that we did it. And, and of course, like you said earlier, like, if we meant to do it, we meant to do it. It was it was intentional. Like, you need to go to bed because you, you can't sleep yeah. at night. You, you wake you know. We're we're sad when we're sorry that you feel that way, but you know, and there, you need to go to bed. And there are some times where I'm not sorry, 
And I right. and I, I and I've explained that too. Josh be like, oh, blah 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 blah. I be like, and you still and when you get done with all that, you still going to sleep because it's a right. school night. So no, I'm not apologizing for turning your game off. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm not giving you anything. I don't care how mad you are. Go to bed. And I think again, that's the conversation, right? Like, so while in generations past, that may have been I'm explaining myself, but it's really right. not. You know what I'm saying? Like. For them, they could be thinking, oh, I had to do all this homework and now it's bedtime. And I, and I had to tell them, but that's your fault. Because if you'd have done your homework as soon as you got home, you wouldn't have been doing homework up until 7 o'clock. That, mm-hmm. ran, that now ran into dinner time. That now mm-hmm. ran into shower time. And now it's, you know, it's now it's time to go to bed. That's your business. They ain't got nothing to do with mm-hmm. me. And I consistently tell Josh, when I was a kid, bro, I used to come home and do my home. I used to eat my snack and my homework immediately. What I was not about to do, because my bedtime was like 9, 930. I'm going to finna let mm-hmm. 930 roll up. And I and, and I ain't done nothing, and I'm I'm just finishing home. Unless it was a big project, I wasn't doing that, fam. I want to play my mm-hmm. PlayStation. I want to watch, you know, Soul Food series. I, I want to do the things, right? Um, right. Stuff I shouldn't be watching, but I want to do the things. So yeah, I think yeah, opening that space for them to communicate and opening that space um, for them to be their most authentic selves, and and and. Leaving room as parents to be wrong, mm-hmm. I think that's the most important part. I yeah. think that's one and of the I most agree. important parts too. I agree, and I, I, of course, we're not going to be perfect. Parents aren't going to be perfect because um, we're again we're just figuring this thing out, and we're just trying our best. We're really trying to do our best. To, I, I believe most parents are trying to do their best um, to do better than the previous generation. So that's pretty much it. Do you want to add anything else before we move on? No, 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 no. What I what what I would like to say, since we kind of started off talking about Kurt Franklin and the carry on situation as a framework, what I would want to say, you know, just to all the people, before you decide to pass judgment, just understand that, you know, there's clearly some family trauma within mm-hmm. the Franklin household, right? And this is not because I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to understand that that was wrong on both sides at some point in some way. Um, I think Kirk used some really harsh language toward his son, if oh, I'm going yeah. to be honest, if we're mm-hmm. going to you know, address right. the elephant that's in the room. But I also yep. think Carry On probably very much said and did some things that could have been really disrespectful. And not yep. just in this one 30-second clip <clears throat> that we got to hear. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. This is probably years, years of, of discord this- between the two. And it's mm-hmm. not meant for us to figure out. But what I will say, what we heard was not uncommon in mm-hmm. in black families and in black. I think maybe the level of harshness, maybe, because I have never right. been talked like that to by oh, my yeah, parents. Never, never, um, never. Not even as an adult. Um, but at the same time, I've never given my reason, my parents a reason to talk to me like that. I don't think anyway. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think we can pass all of our level of judgment and stuff. But I think it just comes to a point to where we have to, I think, in terms of us, while we're having all these think pieces about, well, I just heard this, or I just heard that, or he was just being a black father. I think we have to step back and really think through some of the perceived dynamics and -hmm. understand that all we can do is take accountability for what we do in our household and try to figure out the ways in which we can be the best parents with the least amount of traumatic effect. Best parents and best children. Even as right. adult children, I think that right. cycle has to continue of of not uh, prolonging trauma, even as adult children. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. At the end. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing, like in considering family toxic 
behaviors and traumas. Like people can be wrong. Both both people can be wrong. Yeah. And the 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 thing is to make sure that we find the way to just move forward and get better. That's all we try to do as far as black folks. Um, want to end with a game? Is that okay? I'm sure. All right, I'm gonna ask you a few things. Just lighten it up. This has been this has been a heavy one. It's a heavy <laughs> one. So I'm gonna ask you if you have a few things either in your house now or you grew up with it. All right. Okay. So, do you now or did you ever have a bag full of trash bags or a bag full of grocery bags? Mm-hmm. It's a Trader house? Joe bag full of Kroger bags in there right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you now or do you did you have growing up a can of grease on the stove? Growing up, not now. <laughs> but it was mostly baking grease. And it was and it was in a canister that was labeled grease. And it was a it was a real cast too. It had grease on it, and my grandma mm-hmm. had one in a. She kept hers in the refrigerator, and oh, it used okay. to mold up. And one time, funny story, I, I thought it was applesauce, <gasps> and I got a no. big thing, and I put my <laughs> worst experience no. ever, bro. Disgusting. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Did you now or you're growing up have a Danish cookie dish? That didn't have we know no cookies in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it. It was the Christmas candy dish, <laughs> <laughs> or it was like the junk thing. It had stuff in it. My mama sewing with kid. All that kind of stuff was in it. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. All right. Did y'all have batteries in the refrigerator? No, that was the thing we didn't do. We didn't put batteries. When the batteries was gone, they was gone. <laughs> that was mainly because of my dad, though. He yeah, we didn't we didn't do that. <laughs> all right. Got a couple more. Did y'all reuse butter containers? Oh yeah, absolutely. They was they was Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you took them things to lunch. <laughs> With no shame, Betty Crocker. You had to open. You don't know. You don't know if that was still the spreadable butter, or you didn't know if that was a leftover spaghetti. You don't know what it was. Just open it. <laughs> <laughs> Even the cottage cheese balls was was full of other stuff. It's just stuff. <laughs> Just stuff in there. You got to open it up to see what's actually in there. We had no matching Tupperware sets and shooters. <laughs> Just all recycled Bruh. bowls from butter and cheese. And jars and, jars and, and everything. And... Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, more than five Bibles. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. One in the car, okay. a couple in the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. A jar. Of an assorted type of candies, butterscotch and cinnamon and peppermints. At grandma, strawberry. At grandma's house for sure. <laughs> she kept. Uh, well, funny story. My, I told you my dad was a hustler. He worked at Hershey, which made Jolly Rancher and Double. So we always had gum. My grandma keep. She kept a bowl full of Jolly Ranchers mixed with peppermints, mixed with gum, and then my mom <laughs> would bring the candy dish out for the holidays. But grandma to this day. <laughs> She got a candy dish right now. One in her living room, that's a pretty one. <laughs> and one in the kitchen, that's the hood candy dish. It's just a plastic one that's just full of stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, three more. Okay. And we're going to be out of, way, out of here. Cocoa butter. Do you have it now or back in the day? Oh, yeah. I got the cocoa butter. I got the palmas in the jar, and I got the oil upstairs. And we used to use the, <laughs> we used to use the it was called Nanda Nolan <laughs> or Nanda Nola or something. <laughs> Cocoa butter, nine eight cent at the Walmart when I was growing up. That's what we had. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are we already know you use Fabuloso, so I'm not gonna use that one. Did y'all use 
the Ajax or the Comet and just sprinkle it in the tub and let it sit there for a little bit. And the kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> and the kitchen sink. Yes. 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 Especially when my mom, especially the holiday, Thanksgiving, like she would always clean out the sink when she was done mm-hmm. cooking or washing. You know, we wash our meat in black houses. So you got to clean the yeah. sink. But like holidays, oh. Yeah, it's going to scour. We got to scour them. Yeah, it's, it's going to sit and soak. Mm-hmm. We okay. definitely put it in there. And we put it in the tub and the toilet. We put it everywhere where it can sit. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere where it can sit. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. That blue powder, that everywhere. Blue powder, just... yeah, Ajax or coming, either one. Mm-hmm. It, it was it, the same I, kind I, of poison. We use that no more. It's the same po- I haven't used it in a while, but I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I have used. I use like the four nine. I, I got bougie. I use four nine or the scrubbing bubbles. But I, I don't think it has the same effect. So when I so when I first moved off campus and we cleaned up our apartments, I got I I let that come and sit in there too <laughs> for about an hour before I cleaned up stuff. <laughs> <sighs> and last but not least, I, I, this is a this is a yes. Okay, a glass bottle of Pompeian oil. Now you know we had oil all up in the house. <laughs> I don't. We don't have it these days though. Like they stopped making the glass bottles. They stopped making them. They in the plastic bottles and, now. In the world that went to hell. Woof. <laughs> Woof. When they changed the bottle, the world went to hell. They changed that bottle, the world went to hell. But yeah, black houses, man. I love Black it. Houses. I love it here. Yeah, I love it. I, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Oh, not we at all. go black people. We go through our things. We have our issues. But I, if I, <laughs> I'm gonna say this. Now I don't care who lives. If I woke up white, I would cry. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, I would be like, God, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> right. Like, Lord, what, what did I do wrong? What did I do? What did I tell me? Tell me what can I do? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Well, that's been a great conversation. It has. Uh, it has I'm been glad we got that out. This was like therapy. It was like therapy. I need to get on somebody's couch. Let's mm-hmm. go. I'm, 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 me, I'm, I'm gonna hold you accountable in 2021. Let, let me give me an appointment. Yeah, I mean, you might ignore my text message again, but you know, don't do that. Here we don't go. Do that. You ready? You ready? Let's, let's 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 go over. Let's go over the black men stuff before we, you know before we you know keeper. go back to that. I'm a brother. <laughs> Ooh, stop. All right, we are here. I am my brother's keeper where we talk about some um, self-care and all of the things. And after a conversation like we just had, we need some self-care. So, (laughs) Brian, what are you doing uh, post-first dose vaccination? Uh, Well, I'm actually going to start the morning off doing yard work because it, it needs to be done. Um... And then I, I want to cook out this weekend. Um, I really want to. So that's the if 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 the weather's good, if the weather permits. Ah, question. What? Now you didn't outsource your home chores, and you ain't finna pay nobody to do this yard. Okay, so I, okay, so what I, I have people that go do the yard. Okay, so what, I'm listening. The thing is, my, my okay, so um, we have like some moss. I want to get up in the front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first weekend in April. We're having somebody come in and do like the whole yard, um, but there are some things out there that that are just getting on my nerves, and I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want that in my yard no more. And then the back deck, <clears throat> you've been to my house. So the back deck has a whole bunch of leaves and stuff like that on it, so I want to get rid of it so it looks presentable out there. I don't be outside just with leaves and stuff all over my deck. So well, that's fair. So it's not it's not whole yard work. It's it's definitely just enough to where stuff that's happening right now. 
is get on my nerves before I pay somebody to actually do all the real work. That's fair. I rock with that. And then I'm I'm dropping my daughter. My mom is coming to get my daughter. Yeah. So by like twelve o'clock, it's gonna be just me, me and the wife. Just chilling. Mm-hmm. So that's some of my self care. Got it. Um, uh, this weekend, man, I don't know. I'm not gonna have anything to do. Um, probably get the cars washed. Um, mm-hmm. if it's not supposed to rain crazy this weekend, um, so that'll be a thing. You just feel different when you got a nice clean car. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so do that. And uh, oh, so we signed up for this meal prep service. So I'm picking okay. up those meals on Sunday. So that's going to be something okay. relaxing. Got meals for lunch the next weekend. Especially now that I'm vaccinated and the summer's coming, I got to make sure this body is right and tight. So mm-hmm. <laughs> doing all the things to make sure that is in place. But really just a lot of adulting this weekend. Errands yep. and stuff like this. Oh, I've been going to the big boy farmers market once a month, and this is my weekend to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go out there and rack up on some spices and nuts and fruit and fresh meats and all that different kind of stuff that they have. And that is it, my man. That is it for me. Um, uh, do are, are we are we going to PO box this week? Uh, let me check. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything in there. All right. Okay. So that means I need to send something so we can have something to, to send talk about. Send the things. So we'll we'll, we'll skip on it. We'll, we'll save it for next week. We'll, we'll save it for next it for week. Next week. Um, because I think we have some things we got to get off our chest. Yes, we do. So let's go on over to a greater conversation. Let me talk. Let me talk. All right, good people. We are here um, at a greater conversation where we talk and discuss all the things um, that are on our mind, that are bothering us, that are, you know, getting on our nerves and all that kind of stuff. I, uh, Brian, just, just let me do this. It's going to be quick. Okay. It's going to be to the point. Sharon Osborne. Oh, that's a good one. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I've been contemplating how I wanted to say this all day because I knew it was coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really don't know... What I want to say to you other than to say that you are way out of pocket and you don't mm-hmm. have to say, you don't have to really, you don't have to use the word nigger to be racist. Um, it is your complicit right. behavior. It is your ability to defend Piers Morgan, his your friendship to him over holding him accountable to like all of his remarks. It is your mm-hmm. ability to tell... Um, um, what's my girl name? Cheryl Underwood. Like, don't cry and don't cry, cause I should be the one crying. Like, all, like victim. Like, girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, basically minimizing her feelings around race and race relations, um, and just kind of snapping off and being the angry white woman and being able to get mm-hmm. away with that. Um, uh, and then mm-hmm. even in Cheryl Underwood having to sit there and while you're going off and being crazy, having to remain mm-hmm. calm and do what we always do and calm your butt down. Why you having mm-hmm. a tantrum on national television? Um, yep. And I think the greater conversation of it all is that you know, saying these, this is the kind of stuff we deal with on a regular basis. This is what we mm-hmm. say microaggressions. This is when when you can't, when you feel like you can't understand what you've done as racist or um, you know, I what I I can't I, I can't clearly be racist because I'm Jewish. That's what she had never say that I can't be racist <sighs> because I'm this and I'm that like. All of those things are racial undertones. Whew, um, and 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 so 
you know, now uh, what's the show called? The the re the view no to the the, the talk. I, the, the talk, talk is one of them. So yeah. many of them shows. Um, the talk now they're you know shut down and under investigation. And I heard they're under investigation. You know because Elaine Welterworth, the other black mm-hmm. woman, um, mm-hmm. had some things to say. And you know, and both of them were trying to talk to Sharon and be reasonable with her. And she was just being crazy. And she sent this like half butt apology and all those different types of things. Right. So I'm, just, I'm just over it. And mm-hmm. and I know that we probably won't ever be exempt from this some some level of white stupidity from people who think mm-hmm. that way. And and here's the thing: I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to think that I don't like white people because I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what I don't like is whiteness, and mm-hmm. there's a very big difference um, between the two. And whiteness is that privileged structure, that systematic mm-hmm. structure that right. says uh, we're better than we can do, we're exempt from. For example, uh, a white terrorist murderer killed mm-hmm. eight Asian Americans in America, and a police, uh, a high-ranking police official in Atlanta said, "Oh, it's because yep. he had a bad day." Yep, that is whiteness. Because mm-hmm. if that was a black man, you would have shot that fool as soon as you found him. Yep. Um. So, so it's those kind of things. It's that level of privilege that you live in and operate in that is so ingrained in your culture, so much so that the Europeans don't think that they come from a racist society. Y'all are the right. granddaddies of racism, right? Like, don't y'all know y'all the ones who came to y'all the ones who came to America, stole land, killed people, claimed it for yourself, then snatched other people from their nash from from their homeland to re to build a country that you stole from indigenous people and now calling it your own. You right. all are the grandfathers of mm-hmm. racism. So yep. to kind of say that you're exempt from, you know, well, we're not as bad as America, that don't say much because America no. ain't. A, a standard <laughs> to be looking toward uh, and Sharon right. Osbourne embodied all of that whiteness yep. this week um, or, or last week whenever it happened when they had the altercation with um, Cheryl Underwood and Elaine so I'm sorry that those black women had to deal with that um, yep. I don't know what the future of the talk looks like I'm at work when the show is on so I don't watch it and if I was at home I right. probably still Never wouldn't watch it mm-hmm. I've seen clips because I really appreciate Cheryl Underwood's comedy um mm-hmm. But not enough to watch the show. So um, that is all. So whiteness be canceled. <laughs> and you kind of already went, kind of went to my greater conversation. Uh, Jay Baker. With the terrorists. Cherokee. Call yeah, him what Cherokee he County. is. He's a t- white racist terrorist. He didn't have well, a bad white name. Racist ter- <laughs> His name is Robert Long. Um, so I, Robert Long, there's, he's the white racist terrorist. That is, that's the thing. Like that's just completely deplorable that's stupid that's just idiotic uh you're you're a terrorist you intentionally um went and murdered some people but robert but but jay baker captain jay baker cherokee county sheriff's office and that whole police force um you're you literally said the dude had a bad day and this is what happened come to find out this same police captain posted some anti-asian type stuff on facebook before he has a history of doing this stuff but then on top of that they're trying to say oh you guys are jumping to conclusions it's not a race thing he has a sex addict and it's their fault this is what they said they said it's, it's the the different massage parlors fault because they've allowed him to indulge in um sexual behavior 
at these places, which is the reason why he snapped. And now he went to those places and chose those places to kill these people. Again, like basically what you said, Joshua, is the privilege to where one, when you do something, there's this double standard. One, mm-hmm. you, you are arrested without issue, heavily armed, arrested without issue. Um, two, they found an excuse of why you did it. The answer was he had a bad day. And folks have bad days all the time, and we don't murder nobody. Um, then on that, it's, it's you're trying to find a reason why he did this. There's, it's it's uh, there there has to be a reason why he did this. It, he couldn't have done it, done it because that's just what it is. But when black folks do it, when, when brown folks do it, it's in our nature. We're from the ghetto, we're from the hood, and we just murder people, and it's just what we do. Anytime, uh, um, a white dudes, we have in history throughout history, we see in the United States when somebody does something, it's mental illness. We got to find a reason why he why they snapped or why they did that because there's no way we you know a normal you know white american would have just murdered somebody for no reason or went on a murder spree for no reason like mm-hmm. it's it's foolish it's annoying it's frustrating there's so many adjectives that i can use to see uh, to say how infuriating it is um and 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 then folks act like they just don't see it or they don't hear it or there's no bias or there's no um like that's even the way they're going about this is racist yeah no, the way facts. they're doing about it is racist and, and they act, they act like they don't know oh it's not you're you're using your 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 space to try to say it wasn't you know motivated and you're blaming the folks that he murdered right so it's like all of it needs to go um i think the captain needs to go um get his butt out of here he needs to go because clearly he's incompetent and he um has he has bias toward people that aren't aren't white so that's the greater conversation i I just dislike it. And I don't think it's ever going to change because this is the United States of America. Hmm. It is who it is. It is who they are. It is who they are. And this has been a never another. This is bamboo. Spirit of Little Richard all over. That's the Holy Ghost. I was caught up. Is it? Is it almost midnight? Yeah, I was about to be locked out of this jail. I I I got an announcement to make. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna make it tonight, but okay. <laughs> I got some special news. I'm prophetically declaring that I'll be sharing with you in a couple of weeks. Okay, I, I think I know what I it is. I think you know what it is. So, and, and we're we're celebrating God. In yeah. Ooh. He did it again. <laughs> I felt a whale. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel a screaming spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. Them folks sleep. <laughs> But I would, I would, I would, I would pull one up down from the belly. Ah, that bush, I die. He's a wonder in my soul. Ain't it, sweet wonder? <laughs> Woo! All right, uh, but no, this has been another episode of the Jeep. I am out of it tonight, y'all. Thank y'all. For I'm, let me finish up, y'all. Uh, thank y'all. For, <laughs> thank, thank y'all, you, listeners. Follow us on all the places. <laughs> Go to our website, thejigsawpodcast.com. I am Josh Rogers. I am Brian here. The Jigsaw Podcast. Email us. I uh, ask the Jigsaw. Yep. You know, tell people about us. Rate us. Five stars. All nothing less. Nothing less. And, you know, don't leave your works undone. <laughs> now, you wait a minute. You go sign up for us. You got to sign off the right way. <laughs> now, listen. <laughs>
<laughs> it don't matter if your co-host has heard the sign off 90 million times and still don't know it. Don't let this life stress you out like he stresses me out. <laughs> okay? All you can do is what you can, <laughs> the best ways you can, why you can, huh? or whatever, like the order I say that in. But in the midst of all of that, don't get college work undone. Good night. Y'all pray for me. Good night. <laughs> Love y'all.